welcome to episode 66 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to find a seat at one of the hot games tables at a convention. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we have a special episode where we're recapping our experience at BGGCon. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. Okay, so this is a momentous occasion, Ambie, because we have been doing this podcast now for... We're, we're coming up on three years here in a few months. And I know, that's crazy to think of. And you and I have never actually recorded an episode in the same room before. This is a fir- our first time ever. There's no delay or lag. Yeah, we don't have to clap to synchronize audio tracks. It's just us in a room actually talking to each other. And it's weird. <laughs> this is weird. And I know that this is how most podcasters do it, but this is not what we typically do. So we are live at BGGCon. It is currently Sunday, so the very last day of BGGCon. Um, we are mostly done playing games. We might get a couple more plays in before we head to our respective airports. But for the most part, we're mostly done with the gaming. Mm -hmm. And uh, how did your con go overall? Uh, I had a lot of fun. I always play a lot of games at BGGCon, and I like playing, like, new-to-me games, so discovering a bunch of new games. And their library has a bunch of, like, obscure games. Very true, Um, yeah. I was (laughs) not surprised, I guess, but, like, just impressed with the scope of the games. And it wasn't a bunch of random bad ones necessarily. Like, they have a really good, a well-curated library. Yeah. But I also like trying out, like, foreign games. They have a lot of Japanese games and some Taiwanese games. And, like, I don't see these games everywhere normally. Yeah. So it's really great being able to try all of those. So we tried a lot of those. Yeah, some of these games I've never seen before. Mm -hmm. or And a lot of them I've never even heard of before. So that's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, and this was your first year. Yes. So this how is, did you like it? This is my first BGG con. I had a lot of fun. I will admit, I think I like Dice Tower Con more only mm-hmm. because Dice Tower Con seemed to have um, in the like even on the busy days that it was easier to find places to play at Dice Tower Con than here. And that's not to say that there was a time where I could never find a place to play here, but there were days where we had to like really search to find an empty table. And at Dice Tower Con, I did not have that problem as much, even on the busiest days. And the size of the conventions is at this point comparable. Dice Tower Con is around 3,000. This is, I believe, 3,200. So size-wise, they're the same. Uh, This library is more extensive for sure. Mm -hmm. But since I don't tend to to dig too deep in the library, that's not as much of a factor for me. Uh, I actually tend to kind of just like find a group of people and then whatever they want to play, I play with them. Or we'll go wander in the library and they'll check something out, whatever else. But cons for me are more about the people than the games. So that's kind of my focus is, oh, I want to play with you people. What game do we want to play? Not, oh, I want to play this game. Now find people to play it with. Mm Yeah, so I tend to play a lot of games with Toby, so we have the people, too. <laughs> but then we also, we both like trying a lot of the new games, so I like the library. Um, yeah, I think Dice Tower Con has those two big ballrooms. Yeah. This will not help at all for future years of PGCon because this is Right, so this is the last year in this hotel, that's true. So this is moving to a downtown hotel for next year, which will be nice for me in theory if I come back because it's easier for me to fly southwest out of Vegas Mm -hmm. and they fly direct into the airport that is not directly next to this hotel. (laughs) Yeah, also people were having trouble with the validations because the hotel like would validate incorrectly because you have to pay a toll every time you leave and enter like the airport area. Oh, that's a so, bummer. Um, I heard lots of complaints about that. Okay. Parking. 
Uh, but overall, I mean, the staff yeah. was lovely. Mm -hmm. the library was great. Food options are not good here. <laughs> I know, yeah, people have said that in the past. Yeah. Like we were kind of stuck right by the DFW airport, and there's it's hard to go elsewhere. Uh, mm -hmm. I actually <laughs> have not left this building since Tuesday. Wow. And now that I'm saying that out loud, that doesn't seem like a good thing. But I literally, I've just eaten at the hotel restaurant or brought in snacks or had people have ordered pizza, things like that. So we went to the hotel buffet a couple times this year, which was a lot better than last year. I don't know if it's the days we went because they have different things each day. But last year it was really bad. And this okay. year it was actually pretty good. But cool. we also went out to eat a couple times. Um, we were making a vlog about BGGCon, so you'll see. Yes, we're gonna be putting up a vlog on the Dice Tower uh, in the near-ish future, yeah. or who knows, the past. I don't know, when does this episode come out? Whatever, time is a- Thursday, so oh. the vlog will be later. Vlog will definitely be later. Um, yeah, so keep an eye out for that on the Dice Tower channel. But you know what I think people wanna hear about? I bet they wanna hear about the games we played. Yes. So how many, okay, I know every, this is always an impressive number and it will be way more than mine, but how many total different games did you play this week? So for plays that I logged, it, it, some of them are demos, so it's like just trying out new games, like they would play a round or something. Most of them are full plays. Um, I played 73 different games. That um. is still, I know I know you really well at this point, and that still like blows my mind, because it's not, Ambie does not just play five minute games. Like that well, includes some like- some of them are five well, minute some games. of them, but like yeah. you play an 18xx game, and yes. you play like, you played um, Escape Tales The Awakening, which took yes. a lot of time. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm always impressed by yeah. your number. So I, 61 were new to me. 61 new so. games. Okay, so I played, 35 total, well, technically my number is off because I participated in an event here called Spielathon, which was a two hours of a whole bunch of dexterity games. And I know I played 15 different times, but I think I only probably played about eight or nine different games there. We'll call it eight just to be round. So that with those added in that I didn't track, I played about 43 different games and probably, let's see, it says 29 new here and I know most of those were new. So I probably played about 35 new to me games and about 40 to 45 total games. So yeah, half of what you played basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I remember last time you asked me how we play so many and I think another part of it other than we just play quickly is also we check out multiple games at a time from the library Toby and I each check out a game, and then we both read the rules at the same time, so we're both learning different games at the same time. And then whoever finishes first, we play the game, and then the other person finishes reading the rules and play the other game. Okay. So we're very efficient in learning the rules of games. Gotcha. Too. Well, yeah, and you guys are always playing with each other generally, right? Yeah, like so, yeah. If we can't find another player, then we can just play two-player. So we always have at least two players to play a game, so it's easier to get a game played. Gotcha, whereas since I'm solo, mm -hmm. I'm usually wandering around finding just mm -hmm. random groups to hop in with, so obviously that takes more time. Yeah. Um, yeah, so of all of the games that you played, well here, let's talk about the ones that you and I both played together. Yes. So we uh, we did not play a ton of games <laughs> together. It's so funny, because yeah, like you're, we just, it's hard to organize stuff with people, and unless yeah, you literally stick like glue to them the whole time, like yeah, you and Toby like, do, it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah, we, um, we even came with our friend and we, we played one game with him and then he branched off and then like it was hard to go back because we were playing Escape Tales The Awakening with him which was a really fun game uh, but we stopped and then we were going to play again and we never got to be able to play with him again because we couldn't line up the endings of games. Yeah there were people that I saw yeah early in the convention and then never again until like the last day but you and I this morning got to try out the new Azul stained glass of Sintra game. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you think of that one? I liked it. Um, I think I like Azul better mainly because 
uh, in the new Azul, I'm just going to call it new Azul, <laughs> you, you have columns that you're filling out, and then when you fill up a column, you flip it over. So that's just it's extra like <laughs> stuff moving around that I think is annoying to do. But otherwise, it's a similar feel. Oh, it also adds like you have to move from left to right on the columns and then you can, instead of taking an action, you can skip your turn and move your guy back because you have to like, you can only have your guy, there's tiles being placed where your guy is or to the right. And when you place a tile, you have to move your guy there. So that, that was interesting. I think, I, I mean, for the, I love Azul a lot, mm -hmm. but I think I actually like this new version better because they're always, it's like, and sometimes in regular Azul, like toward the end of a round, you mm -hmm. just end up with like nothing you want. And uh -huh. you will sometimes take something just because you have to. In this game, I almost always felt like I had a smart decision that I could make. Like sometimes I wanted something and it got taken, but then there was almost always something else I could take. And I did like that ability to be able to reset your mm -hmm. little pawn because then in theory, you don't ever, or you don't often end up with that moment at the end of the round where there's a bunch of tiles that are yeah. of you know use to you that you just have to take. You can go, oh, I pass, and someone else then takes yeah. those tiles often. So I think because of that flexibility, I like this one more. And honestly, I like stained glass as a theme, <laughs> and I already own Sagrada, but I might end up buying this one too. Yeah. I think the reason you like this one more is also part of the reason I like the original one more, because I like that when someone has to take all of them oh see and i don't i don't yeah i don't like those bad moments funny. in games even if it when it's for other people it makes me feel bad when yeah. somebody's like oh i get to take all of these tiles and it's a whole bunch of negative points like yeah that's not as much fun for me and we both played a game that was in the library that uh we didn't get to play it together but it's an older game called the arabian pots <laughs> yeah so i just saw the box of it and then saw that there were little plastic pots in it i'm like oh this looks interesting <laughs> but it's basically memory with sound um, yeah you have these pots in a grid and you shake it on your turn and then or you can switch two pots and you're trying to get them three in a row of the same sound yeah it's tic-tac-toe but yeah. you're using sound to determine <laughs> yeah. which three and the the sounds are distinct like yeah. assuming that you can remember what they are it's easy yeah. to tell the difference between the different pots and then yeah you either shake one or switch two I, this one I wasn't as keen on. Yeah. Honestly, like while we were playing it, I was like, I kind of just want to play Igloo Pop. Like it made me. So yeah, we, yeah. we checked out Igloo Pop from the library oh, and played it later that night because I was like, yeah, I want to shake things that, that in a more fun way. Yeah, we have Igloo Pop at home. Um, but, yeah. but the Arabian Pots, I didn't I didn't see what year that one got published. Do you know? It's looked like a pretty um, old game. Loading. 2014. Really? Yeah. Okay. That uh, the 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 art on the box and the game itself kind of oh. to me, I would have guessed much older than that, truthfully. But I'm I think it's Japanese because uh, it um it had yes it is um, Japanese it had Japanese uh, katakana on it on the board yes or on the box and that's actually what I saw first <laughs> because I was like oh look Japanese which is interesting because it's set in Baghdad the game is set in Baghdad but it's a Japanese game but yeah well one thing that was interesting about it is that in the rules it had rules to play with blind people so the board had numbers on the grid so you can just say what number the pot is so yeah people can play with yeah there was a card with braille on it in the box um, I think that's really neat when mm -hmm. games um, can be more accessible to people uh, the other one that we both played was Marble Bob Slay, which I know like Eric had talked about in some of the Dice Tower coverage from Essen and he was interested in. And I think he's very jealous that I got to play it. Uh, I know you weren't as keen on it because of the, it seems like the plastic components weren't working for you as much. Yeah. But the, like. There's a board there. You put it together and then it was not set well. So the marble would hit against 
where the seam was and not move. Oh, so. oh were you guys playing on maybe one of the tables where there's two tables? Yeah, it might have been like, yeah, the yeah. table or... But we kept trying to... Oh, because that did, wasn't problematic for us. It was completely okay. flush when yeah. we played it. It might also be because we played it later and it might have gotten... Yeah, it might have gotten some damage. Uh, but yeah, basically, it's a game where you have little marbles on tracks and you can blow on them to make them go faster when races get... But, like, the races are neat because there's other marbles that trigger the race and it's when two marbles of the same color touch. So you can see the marble coming down the track that's going to trigger the race and everybody's waiting and then you pull your little flag and start blowing on your marble. And obviously there's some germ concerns considerations <laughs> there. We all made sure to wash our hands really well after the fact, but I thought it was, I mean, it's silly and dumb, yeah. <laughs> but fun. So yeah. yeah. All right. So what other, like, what was, what are your like top couple of games for the whole con? So I already mentioned Escape Tales, The Awakening, which I guess I didn't say what it is. It's a choose your own adventure puzzle game. So in Escape Tales, it's kind of like an escape room, but there's no time limit. And there's little passages in a book that you're reading. And the theme is you're trying to uh, save your daughter from a coma. And you have to do this dark ritual to do it. <laughs> so you're going in different locations. There's cards that are locations. And then as you read passages, you get different items or puzzle clues that are other cards. So you look at them and you're trying to solve the puzzles. And then if you do, there's an app that has all the puzzles in there. And you type in the answer. And it tells you to go to a different passage in the book. So mix between choose your own adventure and puzzles and I like both of those so yeah, that was I, really fun. I like both of those as well and I did not get to play this one here but I'm really interested in it. Yeah so that, that was one of my favorites. Um, also another puzzle game is Curio the Lost Temple which is another uh, it's kind of an escape room type game but it's replayable so there's different puzzle modules. If you've played the game uh, the app phone app space team it's kind of like that where there's different modules and each person has a different module with puzzles that they're trying to solve, and other people have the puzzle clues and answers for them and tell them what to do, and then they solve it. But it's all real time, and everyone has their own puzzle that they're solving, and everyone else is like telling them to solve puzzles. It was kind of hard because we were in a convention, so we couldn't hear each other, and then we lost our voices. So uh, <laughs> I would like to play it again like in a house. <laughs> but that was pretty fun, the puzzles. That's cool. Yeah, and it's funny because there is a space team board game, but this sounds more complex than yeah, yeah. that, obviously, because it's puzzle solving. Mm -hmm. um, any others that were standouts for you? Uh, yeah, I guess my favorite of the non-puzzle games is Teotihuacan, which is a Euro game by the maker of Sulkin, the Mayan calendar, which is a game we played. Um, it, so this game was similar to Sulkin. It reminded me of it. It has like a temple track. You're getting a bunch of points by doing different things. You have these dice that you move around in a rondelle. And then as you do an action, you increase the dice pip so they like level up. But then it, once they get to six, they ascend and you get points, but then they go back to one. So you're like going around. You get better things if they're higher numbers, but then they're going to go back to one. And you also they also cost more to feed if they're higher numbers. And um, that was pretty interesting. Lot, lots of just point gathering and then there's like temple tracks and other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot of people talking about this game during the convention. Like it seems like people are really digging that one a lot. Yeah, so I like that. 
Very cool. Uh, and I, I saw you got to try out Dulasaur Island, yes. which was in the library. I did not know it was in the library, oh. and I'm super bummed because it it's not out yet, right? Like it hasn't. I'm not. Yeah. It hasn't it shipped Kickstarted. A, yeah, but it hasn't. Know. I backed it. Okay. It definitely hasn't shipped to Kickstarter backers okay. at all. I didn't even know production copies existed. Okay. Uh, and it's in the library apparently, and I'm bummed because I totally would have played it. But so how was how was that yeah, one? That was fun. Because you like Dinosaur Island. Yeah, but I didn't expect to like Dulasaur Island because normally. I don't like card games that much compared to like original games but yeah I liked it it was pretty good uh yeah it still has the same theme as Dinosaur Island in a similar things with the dice where you're picked at drafting the dice and the special characters and stuff so instead of having like the dinosaurs and buildings that you get you have cards so you can play either a dinosaur or a building they're double-sided cards oh okay that's cool so they're multi-use kind yeah. of to yeah. some degree okay so that was pretty interesting and uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. It it felt similar, even though it's very different. So Neat. Well, I'm excited to get my copy in the mail. I'm pretty sure I'll like it. <laughs> I hope, since I backed it on Kickstarter. What was your favorite game of the convention? I don't know if there was a single standout for me. I will say I did get to demo Reavers of Midgard, which as of the, this episode coming out, just finished on Kickstarter, I think a couple of days ago. <laughs> But I, you know, we've obviously been promoting it because Gray Fox is our amazing sponsor. And I assumed that I would like Reavers because I love Champions so much. But then they said, oh, well, Reavers is a little bit more Euro than Champions mm -hmm. of Midgard. So I was, I wasn't sure. I really liked it. What it's, what's neat about it is it, it has a familiarity because it's in the same universe as Champions and it has similar types of actions that you can do. But in Reavers of Midgard, you can like choose to do actions in different ways. So instead of just going to a thing and fighting a thing by rolling dice and potentially doing poorly, most of the actions you can either chuck dice if you want to, or if you have the right die faces on your board already, because you roll the dice and leave them on your board with specific faces up, you can just spend dice to complete actions. So you can actually like completely game it out if you want and not have to roll dice at all for the most part. And I think for people who don't like dice chucking, this will definitely be more enjoyable than champions for them. Uh, I like both games a lot. We only got to play a couple of rounds because it was a demo, but I really enjoyed it. Um, so I imagine that they'll be doing late pledges uh, at some point or possibly pre-orders. So keep an eye out, you know, for that from Gray Fox Games if you're interested and missed the Kickstarter. I also got to demo Gen 7, which is the new Crossroads game from oh. uh, Plaid Hat slash Fantasy Flight. It's all one thing now, I think. Yeah. yeah. So um, Gen 7 is a cooperative game where you are the seventh generation on what is called a generation ship. So Earth became uninhabitable. So everybody set off in a giant spaceship to go find a new planet to live on. And you are agent, like you were born on this ship and you will die on this ship. And you are just trying to survive and thrive basically, but it is kind of campaign based. So you start with different scenarios and then based on what choices you make, the story branches and you go into completely different scenarios, uh, which I think is really interesting. So you can play this and get a completely different path than someone else who's playing the same game. And you have to make pretty interesting decisions. Um, they mentioned to me specifically that I think in the first scenario or early on, um, this might be a mild spoiler. So if you care about that, skip ahead 15 seconds. Um, but like one of the decisions that you get presented with early on is there's an AI that controls the ship and you hear that the AI maybe can't be trusted and you as a group have to decide, do you shut her down or not? And I was like, oh, that sounds... <laughs> 
interesting. Hmm. Um, but it is cooperative and it's similar to Dead of Winter in that you're collecting resources and then spending resources to complete tasks. You also have private tasks that you have to complete on your own, but they're not like secret. And you gain um, reputation as you're completing things, both for the group and yourself. And that uh, influences how much power you have when the group votes on things. So if you've done a lot of stuff, then you have more power mm -hmm. in making decisions on the ship, which that is, makes sense, yeah. it's all really interesting. And thematically, I'm very into it. Mm -hmm. So uh, that one's releasing in a few weeks, I think. It is not out yet, but I'm, I'm probably gonna pick that one up. I also really liked Catch the Moon, which uh, I know people were buzzing about at Essen, but I hadn't really seen in person. It's a dexterity game where you're stacking ladders on top of each other, and that's it. But it's so much fun. <laughs> I loved it. And it's got great table presence. They actually had a big version of it here in one of the vendor halls. And I didn't it, see that. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> cool. So Catch the Moon was great. Uh, I got to play Rescue Polar Bears, which... If anybody's seen pictures of that one online, they're the cutest little components. These tiny, there's like mama bears and papa bears and baby bears. We unfortunately did not win. Aww. It is a cooperative game where you have to save all the polar bears and we did not save all of them. We were so close. We were really close, but um, that one was really good. Oh, and Cupcake Empire was great as well. Cupcake Empire is a game where you're literally baking cupcakes and serving them to customers, building bakeries, uh, creating recipes. Pretty light, but, but cute. I liked that one a lot. The components in that one were great. I actually, uh, so you were talking about how there's some older games in the library. Mm -hmm. I saw Spiel des Jahres logo on a box on, that looked old, and so I grabbed it. It was a 1994 nominee for the Spiel des Jahres. I don't think it was the winner. We did Google Translate on the uh -huh. German on the box, and we believe it was just nominated called Billabong. It was okay. a, uh, it's a kangaroo racing game where everyone controls five different kangaroos, and you're just racing in a single circle around a billabong, but it's an abstract strategy game. So... Every time you move a kangaroo, you can jump over other kangaroos. And you can even jump over multiple kangaroos, assuming on based on where you're placed. Uh, so you can jump over potentially lots and lots of different spaces all in one go. I will say, while it was fun, early game and late game were slow because the kangaroos were all bunched up. In the middle of the game, people were like, leap, 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 leap all over the place. And so it was really fun in the middle. Beginning and end, not as much. But it was still interesting to try an older game that got nominated for the Spiel. And obviously that's a game I'm probably not going to find many other places. Oh, and I played one other dexterity game that I loved called Minute Work. That's the new uh, one from Pretzel Games. And you are putting girders like into a construction site and then putting little meeples onto those girders. And those meeples are sometimes holding little beams or bricks. Uh, the meeples are the same size as the ones from flick them up so they're like the big wooden meeples and they have little blue overalls painted on them and little yellow construction hats like little plastic <laughs> construction hats oh, they're, they're yeah like and it's they're so cute this game That's looks cute. awesome when it's on the table and it was really fun and it's funny because if you knock anything off the game doesn't end you just lose one of your safety certificates <laughs> and yeah and then if you uh if the boss comes out and you put the tallest thing on then you get an award from her and the game ends once uh someone's lost all their safety certificates and whoever has the most, both medals and safety certificates wins. Um, it's really simple, but <laughs> it was fun. I liked it quite a bit. Were there other games that you had like on your want to playlist that? Um, so I hadn't really created a ton of games, like a list of games that I desperately mm -hmm. wanted to play when I was here. Minute Work was definitely one that I was interested in trying. Um, but for the most part, I kind of was just playing it, you know, just like, I was like, no, yeah. I just want to have fun and play games with people. There were a lot of people here that either I had never met in person before who I've just been friends with online um, or who I've only seen a handful of times or don't get to see very often. So yeah, I was just like, oh, I want to play yeah. with you. What do you want to play? <laughs> we can play that. I also didn't really have a specific want to playlist. I have 
on BGG, I have things marked as want to play that every once in a while, whenever I'm looking at a game and it looks interesting, I just mark it as want to play and then forget about it. So I have that list of games, but I didn't specifically look at like SM releases or anything recently to make a want to play list. But there were some games that I had been wanting to play for a while uh, that I got to play. So one of them was Death Note Confrontation, which oh, I'm yeah. super excited about. It's coming out because it's based on an anime called Death Note that I really like. And it's a two-player deduction game, and I really like deduction. So <laughs> it's like, oh, I really want to try it. Yeah, it's just right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, so in the game, there's two phases. The first phase is not as good, I think, as the second phase. So in the first part of each day, like, you... You're picking A or B, and then the other person's also picking A or B. And like, if you pick the same one, then one person wins, and you click the other one, the other person wins. So that part was more luck part and not as much deduction. Although there is like rewards based on if you pick A or B, uh, so you can kind of try to get into the other person's mind. But if the other person picks randomly, then you can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. But the second part was actually pretty thematic and interesting. You have like this map, and one person is killing people, and the other person is. Like putting people on the news for the other for the main person to look at and try to kill. So one person picks three people that the other person has to kill one of them, and he can only kill in a certain space. We have there's an overlay that shows like how far away they can kill from where they are located, and then so the the person one is giving out three people located around the map, and then person two has to kill one of them. And so person one can say, "Oh, I know they're close to there," but person two can kill people outside of their zone, like just a couple of people. Okay. So that was pretty interesting, the map part. That's cool. So I like that. But yeah, uh, I, w- I didn't like the first part as much, so so that lowered the game. For yeah, me. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another one was Nyctophobia, which is a new game that people play blindfolded. So it's a one versus mini horror game. One person is trying to kill all the other players, or just one of the other players, and the other people are running away trying to get to a car and call for help. But the people who are running away are blindfolded. They have these glasses that are black, painted black, um, and they have to feel around on the board. So yeah, I it's all that. like tactile components. Yeah. So it was, it was very, very different and interesting. And so um, in our game, it ended pretty quickly because I just like ran straight into the car. I got pretty lucky with where I was going. Actually, the first move I went, I went directly into a dead end. <laughs> then I turned around and, and ran into the car and found it. So, and yeah, I was kind of scary. Uh, in that <laughs> vlog that we'll have coming out later, I I was I walked by your table while you were playing, and so I filmed you <laughs> playing this, but you didn't know because yeah. you had glasses he, on. He told me afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so I did get a little bit of footage of you guys playing Nyctophobia. That will be in the vlog. <laughs> yeah, and, and I already mentioned that I played a bunch of Japanese games. Um, one of them was called Shibuya, which is based on... There's a, a place in Japan called Shibuya, and they have this crosswalk that's a four-way intersection, and it gets really crowded. So I took a video of that when we were there because it's a tourist spot, like just looking at the crosswalk. Um, but the game is a two-player abstract game where you're trying to get your pedestrians across the street. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's really cute. So I, I love how the themes are, like, so interesting. They have very different games. Yeah. Like, for yeah. sure. That's really cool. So we also got to play a little bit of Strike, of course. <laughs> yes. And I know you got to try Impact, the yeah. new... I, I can't even say at this point it's the new version of Strike because from everything I've heard, it's, it's, it's no different. Strike. <laughs> yeah. So the, the main rules are the same as Strike. There's variant where uh, the things give powers. I think it's only the die that is starts at the beginning has the symbol oh, that, on it. And that, okay. that symbol gives you powers if there are two in there. But we didn't play with that. The box, <laughs> I actually have Keith played both 
Impact and Strike for the first time, and he did a little mini review on our vlog. <laughs> so, nice. But yeah, the the box of Impact is smaller and taller, and the bottom is bouncier, so it's like very weird rolling it. Whereas Strike, it has more slanted edges too, and the Impact is like vertical edges. So I, I still like Strike more. Strike is the best, yeah. obviously. <laughs> and then I got to teach you the McDonald's game. Oh, yeah. We got to play the McDonald's game, which is very exciting. Uh, I mean, I, I always like it's And so it's funny because people, you know, I like a lot of those older games. And some mm -hmm. of those old games are pretty crummy, to be honest. Like, there's fun in the nostalgia and in the silliness. But, like, the McDonald's game, most people don't realize there's actually some interesting gameplay there. Because there's a dexterity element. There's a memory the element. Like, yeah, like, there's a lot of different things that you wouldn't expect to find in a game from the 70s, basically. Mm -hmm. Especially a licensed fast food yeah. game from the 70s. <laughs> 70s. Yeah, like McDonald's. usually you would think that it would just be you know pure nothingness yeah. so did you did you enjoy playing it yeah it was fun yeah <laughs> but I like speed games too so well right it was like speed memory that's that's the type of I thing don't think I've taught it to anybody yet who's disliked it mm -hmm. like I think everybody I've taught it to has been pleasantly surprised by how much fun it is so I was glad I finally got to teach that one to you <laughs> I guess the only other game that I wanted to mention is one that I hadn't heard about at all before this. I guess it came out at Essen and it's called Belrati. It's B-E-L-R-A-T-T-I. And that's just the name of the like AI that's playing against you in this cooperative game. It's a tiny box card game. The way it was sold to me by somebody else is it's kind of like a combination of the mind and a fake artist goes to New York, except you're not drawing anything. <laughs> so there's just pictures on cards and all the pictures are like a single item, somewhat random like a pair of skis or a skateboard or a piece of pizza or whatever else. And uh, during the game, players have to collectively play paintings to the table face down based on uh, a theme that was chosen for that round. And then the one player who's the curator for that round or multiple players who are the curator have to figure out which cards the players played. But Belrati has slipped four paintings at random into the display. So when they all get mixed up and flipped over, four of the paintings were not put in by the players. The rest of them were. And you have to figure out which ones the players put in. And sometimes Belrati, he's real sneaky and he's, <laughs> he slips in something that's really good. So you're always comparing the paintings against two paintings that got selected at the beginning of the round. So for instance, if there was like a red umbrella as one of the paintings for the round and a card got played with like a red heart on it, then you're like, oh, maybe they picked it because they're the same color. But in theory, Belrati could have just slipped it in at random and you don't know. So you have to try and suss out what the other players played. I was enamored with this immediately and I heard that BGG at their little store in the vendor hall was selling it here so I went and bought a copy before they sold out so I'm very excited wow. to teach this one to my group um, but it's yeah it's a small box I guess I think you can get them online somebody was saying that they were available on amazon.de so if you want to order it direct from Germany from German Amazon you can do that um, but yeah I liked that one quite a bit honestly it was just a great week of gaming mm -hmm. like so many games <laughs> So that reminded me of another game I played with art cards called uh, Detective Club, which is a mix between Spyfall and Dixit. Oh. <laughs> All these games that are mixed with something and something else. <laughs> but yeah, so one person is actually trying to make sure that the spy doesn't get caught and they make up the word and they play a card. And so other people have to play a card that matches that word. Okay. And so everyone's playing a card and then they play another card from the hand. So it's like Dixit type cards. So they're like all... Crazy, crazy art. Crazy art. Yeah. And then, and then the main person says what the word was and then explains what they said on their card. So then the spy person hears what it is and gets to make up something before people vote on who the spy is. So that I, I like that better than Spyfall because it's less stressful. You don't have to come up with a question yourself. And yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was weird. When Spyfall came out, 
for whatever reason, I was really excited about it, and then I bought it. I've never, I like, I played it <laughs> once, and I, I'm just never again. I don't know, like, I, it's, it's not appealing to me anymore. But this, this sounds more my jam. Yep. Oh, and then I wanted to mention uh, Symphony Number、no. Nine, which is a Taiwanese game. It has a composing musical theme. So I got Toby to want to play it because he's t- Taiwanese and he likes classical music. So. <laughs> I was like, oh, because I'd wanted to play it because I, I thought it was an interesting theme. In Symphony Number、no. Nine, you are patrons of the different classical composers, so you have these little cubes that you're getting, and you're paying money for extra cubes. And then whoever's the, has the most cubes of one composer is like the major patron, and they get their composing sheet, and that gives you bonus endpoints、um, and different powers. And then you have a concert, and people are bidding money on what type of concert they want. And the composers are ranked based on like how many cubes were taken. They have different ranks. So if you bid a certain amount collectively as a group, all at the same time, like hidden, and then that determines if you have a concert or not, and then who is playing at the concert. So that was pretty interesting because there's like some area control type stuff. Like trying to get the most of certain composers,、okay. but then also whoever has that composer wants that composer to play. So then you're bidding because you want it to get in certain section. But if it's a little bit more, it'll be a different composer that plays. So ah,、oh, okay. <laughs> and then whoever bids the most also gets a bonus. So you want to bid the most, but if you go too much over, then there's no concert, and then the person who bid the most gets a penalty. So you're just wondering how much、oh. other people are bidding to get it into the place where you want it to be, so that it'll get paid out. So、that was actually really interesting. That does sound interesting. <laughs> I will say, oh, I got to play Fireball Island, Ooh, which I backed on I Kickstarter,、um, but mine hadn't arrived by the time、mm-hmm. I left. I think it actually is probably at my house now. I got a delivery notification、Ooh. from UPS,、um, so I did get to play it here. It is exactly what it should be. Like, which, like, obviously. While they have made it more strategic than what the original was, like it's still not like a super strategic <laughs> game.、Yeah. It's just silly fun, and it really it works really well for what it is. So that was good. The only other game that I wanted to mention that I haven't yet, I actually got to try a prototype called Our Town, but Our is spelled H O U R, like sixty、mm-hmm. minutes. So Our Town, it is a real time worker placement game. Where your workers are three hourglasses. Each one is a minute.、Ooh. The board is basically a town with two streets crisscrossing each other, and then a bunch of spaces where buildings can go.、Um, you start with some title deeds in front of you of buildings that you can begin, and then once buildings,、uh, so then you can put your workers on the title to build the base of the building, and then all of the buildings have little holes in them for cubes. And when you when your hourglass runs out, you can put a cube into. That resource spot. So, like, there's、uh, spaces to collect brick, stone, and wood on the board. And when you go to those spaces with your hourglass, when it runs out, you get that resource.、Oh. You can then use it to construct the buildings. And some of the buildings have multiple layers, so you have to get all of the cubes on a certain layer to be able to put the next level onto it. And then there's bonuses for having majority in an entire building that's been completed and each floor of the building. So at the end of the game, you get cubes back after everything is done. And the game lasts about twenty-ish minutes. So it's pretty quick, but it's really strategic for like a twenty-minute game. I was really surprised, and I think you would dig this a lot. But yeah, like it was interesting because you can, when you cre- complete a resource, if you if there isn't a place you want to put it, you can kind of just leave it in the area for that resource. So like if I finish a wood cube, I can just put my cube in the wood section, and someone else can grab it and use it to help complete a building. And you get points for buildings that you don't have majority in too. You just don't get quite as many. So it's actually good to diversify and spread your 
yourself out. I was very bad at this when I played <laughs> it. But yeah, it was really fun. I don't think any publishers have picked this one up yet, but I would be shocked if someone doesn't pick this game up. Uh, it is a little bit fiddly in that like, you have different spaces to go for the resources all over the board. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of crisscrossing arms to like grab your hourglasses when they run out yeah. and like place new things. And that was a little bit annoying, but not, I mean, it's a 20 minute game, so it didn't bother mm -hmm. me enough to like make me dislike it. So, and I imagine obviously if a publisher picks it up, it might change a little bit, but if, if this one gets picked up, keep an eye out for it, people. Our town, <laughs> I really, really dug it. Oh, and the, I had one more game I wanted to mention. It wouldn't be a podcast with Ambi without mentioning 18xx. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> no. But yeah, we played 1830. Um, we actually taught a couple of people how to play, and we played a six-player game. So four people already knew how to play, and two people were new. And this was actually a really good game of 1830. Um, it only lasted two and a half hours, and no one went bankrupt. So that's really fast. Yeah, um, that is fast. Because <laughs> we play quickly. <laughs> and it was also with beginners. And they really enjoyed it, so that was good. And then also, the four experienced players were all really close. Like, the scores were 5,808, 5,619, 5,475, and 5,397 which is all really close. And at one point, Toby was in the lead, and then things changed, and then someone else was in the lead, and then I would have been winning because um, I was getting a lot of cash, but then the game ended up going longer, and then the stocks got a lot better, so then my stocks were bad because everyone, other people had better stocks, but I was getting more cash. So then they ended up getting ahead. So there, there were a lot of things going on, and it was a really great game. And I don't play six players that much for 1830. That's the maximum player count. I think that was our second time playing six players, so it, it's very different. <laughs> That's really cool, though. And I mean, yeah, you have to play, you got to get that eighteen XX in, like obviously with a con this long. Oh, and then we did our eating thing. Yes. So we hit our we hit a one of our funding goals on Patreon. Thank yes. you so much to our Patreon supporters. Every single dollar, like even those little one dollar amounts, make. Mm -hmm. a big difference and they allowed us to get the microphones that we're recording yes. this episode on currently so mm -hmm. thank you guys for that but yes we hit a funding goal so we recorded a video uh where we ate a bunch of well we played strike and then used that to facilitate the eating of some <laughs> weird and gross foods and I, I it was it was amusing and we're going to premiere that video on youtube at some point in the near future in the next probably couple of weeks or so and what's neat is we're going to use this new feature on youtube where we're going to premiere it like it's a live video, even though it won't be live. Uh, mm -hmm. Streaming from the hotel was shady at best, so yeah. we weren't able to do it live. But yeah, we're going to be in the chat, and you'll be able to chat along with the video when it happens. Mm -hmm. So keep an eye on our social media. We will let you know when that's going to be going up, uh, and it should be pretty fun to watch, I think. Uh, I know our reactions to some of the foods <laughs> were amusing at best, at, or at worst, and probably hilarious at best. So yeah. yeah. All right, so I guess BGGCon is wrapping up today. We should probably get back to maybe see if we can play fit one or two more games in before we have to go to the airport. Yeah. It has been so wonderful to record an episode in person. We don't. <laughs> it's weird. We're actually like. It's hard for us to make eye contact because we're not used to like doing that. Like, I have to just look at my computer. Yeah, like I don't want to. I'm looking at a person and talking. That's <laughs> so strange somehow. And I know that all other podcasters do it like this, but we do not because we are unique. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess um, that's going to be it for us from BGGCon. Yep. Uh, hopefully we'll see some of you at a future convention, or maybe you'll come to BGGCon next year. And yeah, that's going to be it for us. 
And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, BoardGameBlitz.com, for video and blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages, including our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Board Game Geek Guild. This episode was sponsored by Grey Fox Games. The new game from Grey Fox Games, City of Gears, is releasing early next month, so make sure to head over to your local game store to pick up a copy. Grey Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. If you're enjoying the show, you can rate and review us on your podcast provider or consider becoming a patron. For as little as $1 a month, you can unlock access to unedited episodes and our private Slack channel, which lets you chat with us and other Blitzketeers directly. Head to patreon.com slash boardgameblitz to become a patron today. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Now. Board Game Blitz is a part of the Dice Tower Network. Bye, everyone. Bye.